Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome on the contrary show. It's week 14, only four to go here. I'm Dave Lochran. Follow me on Twitter at Lafayette underscore D. It's L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. And with me, as always, the number one ranked DFS player in the world. You may know him as Awesomeo. Alex Baker on Twitter at Awesomeo DFS. What's going on, brother? Not much, man. Uh, I haven't been having too much luck in these 11 games, slides, so I'm excited that we got 13 this week. And uh, we got we got Andy Dalton revenge on the mind, so this one will be a good one. Damn right it will. <laughs> Actually, I don't even know why I'd agree with that, but the game has a lot of intrigue. We're going to talk about that and a lot of other great stuff. But first, uh, we have a guest who joined us last year when Chris Spaggs was the host, week one of the regular season, number eight ranked DFS player in the world. How often do you get something like this? Two of the top ten guys on the same show leading you into a Sunday slate of 13 games Travis Petty, follow the man on Twitter at Petty Theft. It's P-E-T-T-E-Y-T-H-E-F-T. What's going on, Travis? It's good. I think I've gone down in the ranking since last year, so I'm, I'm trending the wrong way. Uh, it's, it's tough to get Alex at the top, though. Yeah, I think I'm 11th now. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, no, uh, ultimately, you guys are both uh, in very good spots, but more so, you can help a lot of people understand the game better and learn from you, which is why we do this show. It's not your typical, you know, cookie cutter. Well, I like this guy, I like this guy, plug him in. It's more trying to take uh, a different approach and, and look at the game a little bit differently. And Travis, I want to kick it off with you. It's the first 13 game slate we have of the season. And you're going to see ownership very likely spread out more than it usually is a little bit flat. Um, just given that there's so many good players do you do anything different on these big 13, 14, week 17? We're going to have a 16-game uh, a slate with every single game happening between 1 and 4 o'clock. Is there any way you differentiate your process or your strategy from what you would do on some of the smaller slates? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so I, I'm on these uh, main slates, I'm more of a quarterback, one player, and then one player opposing kind of guy. So the bigger the slate, I think, is better for me rather than the guys who are doing these huge game stacks, which I think are generally better on the smaller slates. Uh, so I think this actually helps me out a lot. Alex, same thing to you. I mean, you have a, a, a process that you fine-tuned over the years. Uh, you play essentially every DFS sport there is, and people always wonder, like, how do you handle that? Well, when you get to slate sizes like this, do you do anything different? Well, I think the biggest difference in this kind of slate size, I mean, the number of players is is higher. It's not like a huge amount, but the more players, the more chance that there are some real outlier performances like we saw a couple of weeks ago with Derek Henry and Tyree Kill. These guys are going to need to like hit in your lineup. So I think that it gives us a little bit of extra like intrigue just trying to get the right combinations and everyone's a little lower on. So you got to spread your exposure around a little bit more. And you know, there's you look at a slate like this and usually if you talk showdowns, you know, we do a lot of showdown shows throughout the season. You're looking at, you know, saying, well, you have to be different here. You, you don't, you might only need to be different in one spot, but getting a guy at very low ownership, some of, you know, most slates we get to the, to that, we, we come to that same conclusion, but what about here? Do you find less incentive to get rid of some of the really, really low owned players, or is that not really anything that factors into your process? It is a factor, yeah. I think that the the more players there are, um, 
the the less value there is going to some really long dark throws, just because the the chance that one of the the good players goes off is a lot higher. So that is something to consider. That maybe just picking the best plays is more valuable on bigger slates. All right, let's dive into some of these games here. We're going to hit on everything or as much as we can throughout the hour. Of course, we have four-hour marathon tomorrow from 9 a.m. all the way up to 1, taking you up to luck, where we'll hit on not only every game, but pretty much everything and maybe even twice to cover all of our bases. But uh, today we want to hit on a few, not a few, a handful of specific games. I think we got like seven or eight in here and then some of the chalkier players and discuss where we're going to go with them. And at the end of the show, our favorite pivots and our favorite, uh, f- uh, our favorite fades, I'm sorry, and our favorite pivots. And of course, thanks for being with us, guys. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. If you like what we've done here at Awesomeo, if you think along the way we've helped you out, maybe help you fine-tune your process, win a little bit of money, or you just like the shows, subscribe to the channel, help us get to that 50K mark, and hit that thumbs up button while you're at it. All right, Travis, let's uh, jump into this one. We'll kick it off with the Titans and the Jags. Titans laying seven and a half on the road. This game does have a pretty high total, though, at 52 and a half. And I think we can start with Tennessee with just so many moving parts. Derrick Henry is in what many would consider a smash spot, but he's not a pass catching back. And then as far as A.J. Brown and Corey Davis go, Corey Davis is way cheaper. But the guy amazingly has 400, uh, four games with double digit targets and 300 yard games this season. A.J. Brown has 200 yard games and zero games with 10 plus targets but he's got double the touchdowns of Corey Davis. What are we doing with the Titans this week? I mean, the Titans, it it sets up perfectly for Derrick Henry, right? Coming off last week, they got blown out. He got completely phased out of the game, which uh, I was a huge fan of. I've been anti-Derrick Henry for a few weeks now, so I was love seeing that. (laughs) And, I mean, this this sets up perfectly, right? You got Jackson's a horrible run defense. You got uh, the seven-point favorite. I feel like this is a Derrick Henry smash fight. It seems way too obvious, and, and but I think that's the way to go. Yeah, I mean, Alex, I keep coming back to a spot like this, and Travis just pointed it out as well. It feels like a smash spot for Derrick Henry, but then you get those games where everyone will give you the, the notion, which is on paper accurate, hey, this is the game where Derrick Henry goes off. And then Ryan Tannehill, we talked about it a lot last week, rips off 300 yards and four touchdowns, whether it's playing with the lead or playing from behind. Uh, is there any way to get different with this? Or are you going to be eating that Derrick Henry, you know, semi-chalk around 17 18% where we have him projected right now? Yeah, I think Henry is a strong play. His price does reflect, like, how good of a spot he's in. Given that, you know, he doesn't catch any passes. So I, I think uh, one of the better spend-ups, the uh, chance that he gets two touchdowns is probably as high as anyone else. So that's really what you're hoping for. Uh, more games than that, he's going to score one, I would say. So pretty consistent source of fantasy points. But I have a feeling a lot of the uh, sharp players might – try to pivot off of Henry if he's really chalky and go to the pass catchers just for that leverage. Yeah, and Travis, it's also uh, a unique week in the sense that you have Derrick Henry on DraftKings specifically in that $8,700 price point. Nobody else is even closing him. You have Dalvin Cook in a tough spot against Tampa Bay all the way up there at 9,400. Christian McCaffrey's uh, unlikely to play. And then you have to come all the way down to 7,600 Aaron Jones. So there's no real like direct pivot in that same price point either. Yeah, it, it's tough. You know, my, my personal style, I like to, I like to play the good chalk, which I assume Derek Henry to be and get a little wild in other spots. Um, yeah. You know, he's coming out. He said 19%. Is that what you said? I think he's gonna be a lot higher than that. Okay. Uh, but again, I, I like being around the field on him. I, I would hate to be under on him in this kind of spot it just seems like you're just you're just praying for 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 a 90 percentile or excuse me 10 percentile result right and we've seen some just slate breaking performances from henry throughout the year what about the passing game travis i just mentioned Corey davis and, and aj brown two totally different players aj brown's done a great job of producing after the catch but for a guy that's priced north of 7k the volume hasn't really reflected um, it's, it, the volume hasn't reflected that salary when you compare him to so many other of the really good receivers in the league. Not to say he isn't one of those, but uh, he has not been a, a, you know, a target monster throughout the season. Yeah, it's, it's one of those weird spots where, you know, you got a seven-point favorite, which says, oh, you got to go the running back, script-wise. And Derek Henry's going to be big chalk. And you think, let's go to the Tennessee pass catch. But they're not cheap, right? Uh, 
And T- Tannehill, I, I, I'm not a big Tannehill fan. Like we saw last week, he got what 30 some points, which is good. He's had a couple of good performances this season. But I feel like playing as they should be playing ahead rather than last week where they're behind the whole game. They're playing insane catch up. I, I'm not a big Tannehill fan here. What about you, Alex? Is there any way to to say maybe the passing game is where we get to this week and and hope that this game somehow becomes a shootout? Because hey, let's be fair. Every single time we think the Jaguars are just going to get rocked, they find a way to not be terrible. And they've now covered in four of their last five games. So not to say that'll happen again this week, but it has been happening over the past month and a half. Yeah, I mean, Mike Glennon has been surpassing expectations for the Jags a little bit. Not to the point where he'd be good in fantasy, but not horrible like some of us expected probably. Um, I, I think... Uh, I'm I'm kind of debating this this uh, in my head here, where like some people are big on the leverage plays, where you pick someone off the same team from a different like phase of the offense, like you go for Tennessee receiving instead of rushing. To me, that's not like a huge factor. Uh, I prefer like maybe just uh, going to. Uh, like, it doesn't matter to me that. Corey Davis is on the same team as Derrick Henry. If I like a receiver around the same price as Corey Davis more. So I don't think uh, Tennessee like is necessarily essential to have, especially if Henry has like a hundred yard and a touchdown day. I think that would probably be good enough for Tennessee to get the W here. And he wouldn't really be uh, in the winning line. Lineups, I guess. Flip to the other side of this game. I don't want to spend the whole show on it, but it is relatively important, especially given one of the higher totals on the slate. Um, Alex, James Robinson, the price is beginning to reflect his production. He's now the, of the, of the expected active running backs. He's the fourth highest on the slate on a 13 game slate. Nobody would have predicted that happening earlier in the year, but he's averaging an amazing 25.7 looks per game over his last six, 21.2 carries four and a half targets, you just can't ask for better volume than that. Uh, can he exploit this spot against the Titans? Well, I think uh, he's he's in a good spot, I guess. Tennessee's defense this year hasn't been especially good. They're about average. And it's really the volume adds up for James Robinson. So I think uh, he's a solid player just because his workload is higher than any other player in the league. And from a raw projection standpoint, I think it's not even crazy to project James Robinson for more points than Derrick Henry because he is so involved in the receiving game. Yeah, Travis, a pass catching back who's essentially getting all of the volume for everything in that backfield now for Jacksonville. Uh, is there merit to to paying that premium for James Robinson this week? And let me ask you this: If you were, st- if, is there? Would you have? Or would you be opposed to lineups where you had Henry and James Robinson, or is that something you'd like to avoid? I'm not a huge running back, uh, same game kind of guy. This is a little more unique in that Henry can crush and then Robinson can catch a bunch of passes. Right. Robinson's that weird, unique lead back that he might actually be better playing from behind. You know, maybe not, but it's close. You know, unlike obviously Henry's the, the other way other than the specter where if they're down, he's probably gets screwed. Uh, I think he's perfectly fine. I wouldn't play them together. I think it's okay, but it's not my style. Uh, but James Robinson, he seems pretty, you know, script proof, which is which is awesome. But I, I personally rather get someone like Henry, who has that big upside, where I don't know if Robinson has a big upside, whereas Robinson has the floor that over Henry. Mike Glennon has, as Alex pointed out, Trav has been. You know, he's filled in admirably. The expectations weren't exactly high, and and he wasn't coming in. Uh, to replace Aaron Rodgers, right? So it was the again wasn't expecting a whole lot from him. DJ Shark, Chenault, these type of guys. Um, is there any way you maybe run back Derrick Henry lineups with a pass catcher here, or is this a game where it sounds like you're you're most interested in Derrick Henry and then maybe some James Robinson? Yeah, I actually have a little interest in the and in, in Chark. You know, I okay. think he had a little bit of ownership last week. He he failed pretty bad. He had uh, two catches on seven targets, I believe. I think this is a classic bounce back spot. You know, everybody forgets about him. Uh, his ownership goes down, and all of a sudden he comes out of nowhere, and everybody who played last week is gonna be kicking themselves not playing him again. Alex, um, 
you know, before each show, we always go over what games we think would be best to focus on. Because again, tomorrow we're going to hit on everything. And with 13 games, there's no way we get to all of that in an hour. So why don't I get to some of the important ones? One of the ones that, that you wanted to hit on was this Chiefs and Dolphins game. Chiefs, seven and a half point favorites, uh, 50 and a half point total. The Dolphins defense has played extraordinarily well this season. I, I think they've... Um, they've outshined all expectations or, or overperformed, we could say, throughout the season, regardless of Ryan Fitzpatrick or Tua uh, being at the helm uh, for Miami. But when it comes to Kansas City, you have Tyreek Hill, who has you know the most explosive ceiling in football, Travis Kelsey, the best tight end, and then, of course, Patrick Mahomes can rip off 500 yards and four touchdowns in the blink of an eye. What are we doing with these high-priced guys uh, and what does that do to lineups if you're stacking Kansas City? Yeah, I think uh, Kansas City is really interesting because, uh, I mean, obviously, they're pretty much every week the best stack they're on the slate. With Tyreek Hill being such a big uh, – Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey being such a big part of the receiving offense. So uh, they definitely pop in any sort of stack metric. In my top stacks, I mean, they're about 20% chance of being the best stack. But that's also including the possibility of stacking both Hill and Kelsey, which funnels you into a pretty much, like, you got to spend, like, down at everything else to, to make that fit. So uh, I definitely like the Kansas City stack a lot. I don't think Miami's defense is really as good as the hype. I know they've, they've had big games where they got a bunch of touchdowns and whatnot. But on a per-play basis, they've allowed more yards per attempt to the pass and to the run. Actually, uh, I haven't been betting sports a ton, but I threw a bunch down on the Kansas City uh, spread plus seven. I think uh, the sportsbooks are giving Miami's defense too much credit. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And Kansas City's offense not enough. It's fair. Look, as good as they've been, <clears throat> defense hasn't really mattered when it comes to this Kansas City team this year. I it, just look at the numbers. But, you know, Travis, I've tried to build a couple of lineups with Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey. And, you know, it, 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 is, it is going to be difficult. It's going to funnel you to a lot of cheaper options. Maybe you go back with Gaskin, but that's kind of difficult. And I don't know how you feel about the correlation there. What are your thoughts on Kansas City this week, just given the exorbitant price points, but also insane blow-up potential across the board? I'm not a fan. You know, as was stated before, they're they're really expensive, right? And I think you could make the case you could make is that they're so expensive that maybe they become contrarian because of that I think they're overpriced for sure. But it's just not somewhere I'm headed this week. I have very very little Kansas City right now. Very little Kansas City stacks or very little Kansas City in general. Oh, in general, I have no stacks currently. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just I don't think it's a. Alex was saying that Miami is not that good. I think they're decent. I think I think they're not they're not they're they're above average, and I think this is one of the harder Mahomes spots of the year. For sure, yeah. Look, I think the argument here is: Does any defense matter against Kansas City? But Alex, to Travis's point, to to go back and forth here a little bit, what the, what the the idea is? Well, I think their defense is good enough to where those price points seem too high. Not that they're going to stop them but that they could slow them down just enough to where maybe I don't want to pay a combined, like, what is it? $17,000 almost for Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the tricky part is if you do go with that combination, like, even though it might be like under own technically, like a lot of other people are going to have those exact three players. It's not going to make it that much easier to, to win. I think so. I think uh, if I'm stacking them up, I'm probably just going to Hill or Kelsey. And then I do like the Gaskin run back. Um, I'm, I, I'm a little bit perplexed why like the sports books have been giving Tua so much credit because he's averaged less than seven yards per attempt. 
He hasn't been very good. He hasn't thrown any picks, though, which has been a plus. I'm still kind of intrigued, though, and in going to the Miami stack because, obviously, any time you're playing Kansas City, that's a chance that maybe the passing volume will be high. I'd be very excited if Tua ended up, you know, having a maybe an emergency, but not an emergency that results in anything bad, right? Just it was a false alarm, but he ended up missing the game, Alex, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick had to come in and and throw 400 times. That, that would that would be, make me pretty excited, but it's not the case. And I don't know, maybe the difference in terms of win percentage uh, isn't going to make isn't going to be huge when it comes to Fitzpatrick or Tua. But I definitely feel more comfortable throwing guys like Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki out there if Ryan Fitzpatrick is throwing them the football. Definitely. Yeah. Fitzpatrick, he, he's shown that he has that fantasy upside. Tua, of course, he hasn't had a big fantasy game yet, so it's hard to really trust it. But this is football. I mean, it's a, a sport with a ton of variance. If he throws three touchdowns, I mean, he could easily put up a pretty solid fantasy score. And last week he did show some promise. He got 296 yards. That was by far the the best game he had. So, I mean, there's potential there. And he is cheap. I mean, he's cheaper than Dalton and, and Trubisky and such. Travis, do you think anything from the Miami side stands out this week? I mean, I'm with you guys. I wish Fitzpatrick got one more chance, kind of like a retirement game right here. Just throw it 60 <laughs> times, throw his arm out, whatnot. Just, just let and it all go. And beats the Chiefs. Imagine if his retirement game is beating the Chiefs at home. That'd be special. I, I love it. I, I hope it happens. I'm not a Tua fan either. I, I feel like whenever I've played him, try to be a little train, he just doesn't do anything. You know, it's, it's like Cam Newton without the rushing, it feels like. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not exciting. So on the Miami side – it doesn't really do it for me. Gaskin, I had a lot of him last week. I'm going to go a little bit again this week. He got uh, the majority of snaps, and he think he's fighting Patrick Laird, which, you know, is a DFS community fan favorite. But in actual football, he's not the greatest player. So I, I feel pretty good having a little bit of Gaskin. Um, obviously, uh, it looks like a horrible spot in paper for him, being behind and whatnot. But I, I feel like he has that blow-up potential that you need to win a GPP in this spot. Travis, the, the second highest total game on the slate, not to say that that's everything because we're going to talk about some really low total games as well that uh, definitely have some pieces that we can mine out of that. Uh, but is Minnesota at Tampa Bay, 53-point total, and with a lot of cold-weather games around the league, this one will not be the case. You're going to be down in Florida. Uh, again, 53-point total. The Minnesota Vikings on the road are seven-point dogs, which – Maybe I'm crazy. I, I think the Bucks have been given a lot of credit that might not be deserved this year, but we'll see where that takes us. The Vikings have been one of the teams that I think Alex pointed out last week. You've kind of needed to get them right in some form or fashion over the last month, whether it's fading Dalvin Cook for Derrick Henry, whether it's having Cook, having Jefferson, or having Thielen for his two-touchdown game. But, you know, the offense is so concentrated between those three players that – you feel like there's going to be a blow up potential or a possibility for at least one or two of them every single week. What are your thoughts about Miami or Minnesota this week against the Tampa team that has had some vulnerabilities in the in their past defense, but has done a very good job of locking down opposing running backs. And now you've got arguably the best running back going up against them. It's tricky. I've been very anti Minnesota, especially pass catchers for multiple weeks now. And I have, I've been hurting, but you know, I, I've had a couple of close results in the Million Maker where I think these guys were, were my, my issue uh, in multiple weeks. But uh, right now, I don't have much of them. I, I like Dalvin Cook. You know, uh, he's he kind of goes in that James Robinson mold where he is kind of immune to game scripts. He can catch a lot of balls if need be. Uh, so I think I'm going to overshare him. But I, I'm fading the pass catchers again, even though it seems like Minnesota more than anyone – passes when they're down and runs when they're up, which would obviously lead to more of a pass script here and Cousins throwing 50 million times again. But I'm going to give it, I think, one more chance, give Thielen and Jefferson a chance to, to have it done one more time and, and Cook to do well. Yeah, Alex, Minnesota, I'll toss it right over to you. What are you doing with with three players who at one point in time, at one point over the past several weeks or maybe even month plus – have been at the top of the Millie Maker, the top of the slant, the top of all of these uh, large field contests. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Uh, these three guys uh, having such big workloads uh, every single week, they're in contention. I do like Cook a lot as a lower uh, ownership pivot against uh, Derrick Henry, where I feel like Cook's a better fantasy player because 
he does have that game script uh, proof element. So I think uh, that's one direction I could see going. And then uh, the prices on Thielen and Jefferson have gotten really high. Uh, so that is a deterrent. But I mean, they like together, they comprise like 50% of the, the Minnesota passing offense. So I, I think that if, uh, if you're expecting a lot of pass volume, maybe they're trailing Derrick Henry, or sorry, um, Dalvin Cook is off the field, or sorry, he's he's uh, not as big an impact, then Thielen and Jefferson should, uh, should be in a good spot. Uh, but I don't know if any of them are really high enough ownership to really justify a leverage play. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the stack, because very seldom do we see someone like Kirk Cousins uh, – get a lot of ownership and, and this week we've got him projected for 2.7 in our top stack tool again 2.7 top stack probability is almost uh double that which you know is, is somewhat encouraging but uh, in the event that they can't get the ball moving on the ground i will say this much uh, madison has already i believe already been ruled out so i think cook is going to be on the field no matter what happens even as a touchdown dog uh, could you see yourself getting to any Minnesota stacks here and foregoing Dalvin Cook, but going straight to Thielen, Jefferson, and and Kirk Cousins? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Minnesota is a team that has a good passing offense, uh, more than eight yards per attempt on the year, and the they just don't pass that much because they they really run Dalvin Cook out there a ton. So I think this is one of the teams where maybe you target one game script and might be even better than it looks if uh, if you get that right game script. So in this particular game where Tam- they're big dogs in Tampa Bay, maybe that gives the pass catchers a little bit of an edge. Um, this is another one too, though. You guys were saying where it's like um, Sportsbook could give Tampa a ton of credit. I feel like it's a little bit undeserved because Tom Brady hasn't been very good. So I'm, uh, I'm a little bit tempted to be over on Minnesota and under on Tampa in this game. Yeah, I, I don't disagree at all. The fantasy points, Travis, have not been bad for, for Brady. I mean, he's had a couple, a few, as a matter of fact, monster games this season. But you take the last one against Kansas City, that game ended uh, with a three-point margin, uh, a, a victory for Kansas City. But at no point in time was it actually close. Uh, Tampa Bay made a bit of a run late in the game, uh, made the box score look a little prettier. But, I mean, to win that game, it would have been a miracle. And Tom Brady still put up big numbers. But the issue I have, and and I think people would love to hear from you on this, is how do you try and sift through uh, the weeds when it comes to – it was already tough enough with Mike Evans and and, and Godwin and then uh, Rob Gronkowski and even Scotty Miller when we had him out there. But now you add in Antonio Brown to the mix. Even if Tom Brady does go off – you have to not only get that right, but as Ben Rossa would say, you have to get both of them right where he get he goes off. You have to nail that. And then you have to nail who he's actually going to throw the football to. It's horrible. It's really, really <laughs> difficult. There's well, just way too many guys. Yeah. You know, and I say that, and usually I'd stay away from games like this, but you know, I literally like Antonio Brown this week. I feel like, I feel like this time coming off a bad game, but he, he's had a couple big weeks in terms of targets, but his production or his efficiency hasn't been good per target. Hasn't nearly good enough, but you know, maybe I'm just getting caught in 2017, Antonio Brown, whatever he was last very relevant. But I just feel like he's, he's dying to that big game. I feel like this Minnesota secondary being as bad as it is, is just the perfect situation for him. And his prices at 5,500 is low enough, I think, to, to take a very serious shot in him here and, and go heavy. I really wish I disagreed with you because it, it's so difficult to get this team right. But when you look at the target counts on these guys – uh, going off the, the last four games since Antonio Brown uh, entered the fold, it's not like he's well behind Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, Alex. It's just they're all so tightly grouped together that maybe the same argument can be made here So at play the cheapest one uh, as it could be for, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, where since Andy Dalton took over, there's no clear-cut alpha. It hasn't been Cooper. It hasn't been CeeDee Lamb. Gallup's been a lot more involved than he was when Dak Prescott was at the helm. Uh, maybe do we just play the cheapest guys and, and hope that it plays out for us? What do you say? Yeah, I think uh, that's not a bad option. I, I see Chris Godwin's price is uh, a little bit lower than Mike Evans, so he looks like a nice play. 
Godwin stats this year have been pretty incredible, catching more than 80% of passes for 11 yards, uh, 11 and a half yards per catch. That's elite efficiency, like so much better than Antonio Brown so far and Mike Evans. So he'd be my preference. I do think he makes a lot of stack if you're going to, or sense if you're going to run out a uh, Minnesota stack to maybe run it back with Godwin. I'm waiting for a naked Brady stack to win the Millie where he just throws like five touchdowns to five different players and none of them go above 50 yards. I don't know. It's possible. I'm not recommending that. Uh, but Alex, what about, what about another spot where if, if the passing game wasn't difficult enough to uh, figure out for Tampa Bay, the run game hasn't been much easier because well, Bruce Arians decided that he'd bring Leonard Fournette into the mix and, have him compete with Ronald Jones for targets and drop 17 passes per game. What could go wrong? Uh, But Ronald Jones has been the one with the clear higher ceiling this year. Two of his last three games, he's had some pretty solid outings. Actually, he tied for what, 98, tied three other players for the longest touchdown run ever, had 192 yards on 23 attempts and almost 30 fantasy points back in week 10, and then caught a nice 37-yard touchdown pass a couple weeks ago in week 12. Is there any reason to say maybe Ronald Jones at low ownership could be a guy to get to if they take an early lead over Minnesota? Definitely. Yeah. I think Ronald Jones is a solid contrarian play over the last four weeks. Jones has gotten 72% of all the team's rushing attempts. So, I mean, to me that, that kind of shows that uh, over a big sample, they're really preferring him over Fournette. I mean, that could change at any time and Fournette, is their preferred pass catching back. Tampa's a favorite in this game, though, so the most likely thing is Jones is getting a good workload, so I think he's a solid play. Do you have any interest in this uh, backfield for Tampa, Travis? You know, when I look at it, it's actually a lot more interesting than it looks, you know, first glance. I'm seeing, what, 5% ownership for Rollin Jones right now, which you see the total, 30-point total, seven-point spread is their favorites. It, it screams Ronald Jones or, or Leonard Fournette, but I think what, what scares people is that there's, they seem to be sharing the backfield. Not, not one guy seems like he, he's a lot better than the other, but if one guy starts off hot, they ride him, and, and you know, Tampa Bay has a big game, one of these guys could completely crush the slate at their low ownership. Absolutely. Yeah, I see it too, and we've seen Ronald Jones do it in the past. Uh, it's just so, again, it's really tough. You're, if, you're, if you're playing this game, uh, Alex, I, I think let, let, let's before we close this game out, let me ask you this. Then. What would your best advice be if you're playing Minnesota, Tampa Bay? Maybe you're hand building, you're playing single entries, three max, you're not MME and, and, and it's a little bit different, right? So you have to make uh, you have to make you don't have the opportunity or the option to make to, to expand your player pool to the point where you say, hey, OK, I can still get some of this game, but I don't have to go insane. Maybe you're playing three, five lineups. Uh, what would you recommend doing with Minnesota Tampa Bay, just given how unpredictable this would be or this team has been? Yeah, I mean, I think that you have some really solid fantasy options in this one. So, uh, top of the list would be the three guys from Minnesota for me. Uh, and then Tampa Bay, like Ronald Jones and, and Godwin are solid. I mean, I don't think anyone in this game is like a must player. You got to have a piece of it, though, because, I mean, uh, it's not. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I like Tampa Bay's offense. Is that good? And they have a good defense. So uh, they, you could see an ugly game here too. Travis, I remember last season, maybe uh, week one or week two, Curtis Samuel was chalk, and, and then everyone wrote him off after a couple of weeks. Who was the other one? Was it Keelan Cole that was minimum salary? I think he was chalk as well and, and ended up not doing a whole lot. But now Curtis Samuel is pulling 20-plus percent ownership. Uh, at uh, at Osimo, where we have our ownership projections, three players are projected for 20-plus percent. Uh, and the second highest is, amazingly, Curtis Samuel because, well, Christian McCaffrey isn't expected to play, and um, DJ Moore isn't expected to be activated from that COVID-19 list. 
is Curtis Samuel worth it to you this week to maybe get around or above the field? Or do you see yourself coming under on someone that's $5,200? It's tough. That, that ownership is crazy for Curtis Samuel at yeah. 5,200. It's, it, it doesn't make any sense to me, but like you said, it Moore's out McCaffrey's out. They're losing a lot of, a lot of the guys who get heavy touches. So I think I'm going to be probably around the field. I, I, I don't have a strong leaning in the way on him. It's, it's really hard. I think. Alex, do you have any lean on, on Curtis Samuel at this ownership? I think he's a good play. I mean, you got DJ Moore out. What I'm looking for in wide receivers as value picks is the potential to get more snaps. Uh, so I think that uh, over the last three weeks, or the, the last four weeks, I'll say, Curtis Samuel has run routes on 78% of dropbacks. That could see a bump with DJ Moore out to around 90%. So that would be a solid increase. And then you throw in that, Curtis or uh, DJ Moore is going to be replaced by some combination of Brandon Zilstra and Farrell Cooper. These guys have totaled three targets or three catches on the year. So they're just not like big factors. And I think that benefits everyone else on the team uh, even more. All right. What about Mike Davis, who has led a lot of people down? He's also won a lot of people tournaments this year. Uh, earlier on when you were getting him cheap. Of course, his, his ownership was high, but that's besides the point. He's $6,400. And I think we could say his usage has been a little bit erratic. After those first few games that Christian McCaffrey was sidelined, where Mike Davis was pretty much just a lock in every lineup, you, you've seen you've seen him come back down to earth. He had four straight games with single-digit fantasy points. McCaffrey played in only one of them. Uh, and then the last two games have been modest production at best, Although his, um, although he did see twenty plus looks in each of his last two games against Detroit and Minnesota, respectively. Is, oh, sorry. Go, go, ahead, Tra- go ahead, Travis, and then I'll go to you, Alex. Sorry, I was thinking about how exciting Mike Davis was the first four weeks of the season, <laughs> and everybody's forgotten about him. Kind of like yeah. I just forgot about how you're talking to Alex, and I talked over him. But uh, yeah, he's interesting, right? I feel like at six thousand four hundred, he, he's. I think it's pretty fairly priced, but people forget, like, if he plays really well, I feel like he can run the hot hand, run a little more snaps, get a couple touchdowns. Like, he can really win the slate for somebody. And he's coming at, what, 9% right now, which is – it seems a little low to me, actually, especially given that his two receivers are, are uh, what, 15 and 20%. So he makes a decent leverage play on top. I think he's really good and he's going to be overlooked this week. Yeah, it's look, Alex, there's – there's no doubt that right now there isn't another running back in Carolina's backfield that's really going to compete with Mike Davis for opportunities. It's just a matter of how much he's involved uh, in the game plan, which, as we've seen from the past two weeks, again, 20-plus opportunities at 6,400. Do you agree with Travis that sub-10% is too low for Davis this week? I think so. I, I think uh, his workload has gone down a little bit um, since the start of the year. They have Rodney Smith and Trenton Cannon mixing in more. Uh, But the matchup versus Denver is really solid where Carolina is a favorite in this one. And uh, they aren't a favorite in very many games. So that indicates that there's potential for uh, Mike Davis to see a a large amount of carries. And uh, he's he's good pass catching too, but I like that, that upside. So I think that reasonably priced in a really good matchup. And I think Travis on the other side of this game, I, I don't know what type of ideas people are getting, but uh, maybe you can give us your take on this one as well. The Broncos have an implied total of 20.75. They're three point dogs this game, 44 and a half point total. So not a ton of projected scoring here, but that doesn't always mean that you can't pick out some quality options. Um, Melvin Gordon's 5,200. He got a lot of work last week and had a 100-plus yard game against Kansas City. But it's important to also acknowledge that Philip Lindsay, while he wasn't productive, had only one fewer carry than Melvin Gordon. Uh, and the passing game has just, for all intents and purposes, been in disarray this year, despite having some good young talent in Noah Fant and Jerry Judy. Uh, is there anything we can get to here? Yeah, it... Broncos are tough. Like that stat you just said is incredible that Gordon, one more carry, 105 more yards. That's, yeah. that's insane. <laughs> same team, same game. And for yep. some reason, Melvin Gordon of anybody was finding the holes, which as a Chargers fan, I'm not a huge fan of, but that's, that's for another show. 
Uh, <laughs> Fant would be my guy here. And it, maybe it's too obvious. I feel like all the pass pitchers on the Broncos are somewhat similar. You know, Judy, Fant, Patrick, and to a lesser extent, Hamler. I like the tight end eligibility of Fant. I think it just with tight end this year, especially, I think it's been kind of hard to fill. I, I'd rather just go Fant than, than the other similar wide receivers, Tim. Do you have anything from Denver, Alex? Yeah, I kind of like Tim Patrick. Uh, he's had some big fantasy performances, and his price is still low 4,200 on DraftKings, 5,400 on FanDuel. And uh, he's out there uh, on almost 100% of the plays. Uh, 97% last week and 100% on dropbacks previous week. He's getting targeted at 18% of those. So very solid metrics as far as usage. Uh, and he's going to need a, a lot of volume because Drew Locke isn't that good. So I do see some potential with Tim Patrick. So while this is an NFL show, there's no better time to tell you about the promo we're going or we got going on right now, even though it's basketball because it's insane. Uh, for $1, using the promo code Caruso, I'm sure you'll love that one, Alex. Uh, C-A-R-U-S-O, using the promo code Caruso at checkout, gets you all of our preseason content for NBA start ki- uh, kicked off yesterday or tipped off yesterday, I should say. We got some great free content in the shows. But uh, all of our premium preseason content plus the first week of the regular season, which once you get to the regular season includes ownership. It includes the boom bus tool. It includes the projections, all everything we have, all of our premium articles, the deep dive that these guys put so much time into, you name it, lineup builder, all of that for $1. So if you do it now, it's good all the way through the 29th of September, I, I, December. I think that's right. I think it has to be right. Right. Because uh, the first season, the first week of the season doesn't start till around Christmas. So, I mean, if you're a new user, you got to do it. You got to sign up. It's $1. So you won't even notice that you have this until you go in there because you're, you're not going to see it in your, your bank account, losing $1, but gaining so much at awesome. Go to awesome.com slash join, check it out again, all the preseason content and the first week of regular season content, everything we have all access to our NBA product. We'd love for you guys to check this out. And if you have any questions, again, my DMS are open. You can hit me up on Twitter uh, or you can, you can email us as well. If you have any questions, problems, concerns, you name it, we'll be sure to take care of you. So use the promo code Caruso, all access NBA through the 29th of December for one single dollar at checkout at awesome.com slash join. All right. Um, Travis, one game that I wanted to hit on and it's ugly on paper. There's no doubt about it, but it, it intrigues me is the Cowboys on the road against the Bengals. Um, the Cowboys have had games this season where they've allowed 307 rushing yards and 297 rushing yards. It, amazing. I think those are two of their three worst rushing yard totals allowed in the history of the Dallas Cowboys. Someone can fact check me on that. But with Joe Mixon not expect or not returning, you have someone like Gio Bernard now who uh, earlier in the week wasn't projecting for much, but I can only imagine that he's going to be pretty – I guess he's not going to be popular this week. But you know what? Let me throw it over to you and get your take on Joe Mixon. I'll stop talking. Right now we have him under 7% against the Cowboys. You know, when you said I got an ugly game to talk about, I was like, just say Dallas Cincinnati. Just there say it. it. I love that game. I love yeah, me it. Too. I wish it's I horrible. If no, nobody, <laughs> nobody should want it, which makes it perfect. Right? Uh, yeah, when I saw the Jim Bernard, he was what, 7% on my thing. I think it's amazing. You know, he's, he, he's, he is a lead back. He's sharing a little bit, right? I think last week it was like 70-30 with some Maje Pirine. He just seems like one of those guys, if you could actually have some efficiency, because he's been horrible rushing for a while. For four weeks, I see about three, three and a half yards of rush. If he could just have one big game, he could turn that into, say, 80, 85% of snaps or so. He could go off against Dallas. This is the team to do it against. You, you named the stats right there. They're horrible. And, you know, he had some pretty tough teams he was playing against. I see Miami, Giants, Washington, and Pittsburgh. And now he's playing Dallas. It's, it's night and day. I think this is a smash spot for him. Me too. It's scary, Alex, but how can you not trust a guy with that mustache? It, it's, <laughs> it's an incredible looking mustache from him. Uh, go ahead. Uh, I clicked him just because of the picture. And it doesn't exactly. hurt that he's in a great matchup. Uh, I think Bernard's a, a really solid play. The main factor here is just there's no one that really you can play under 5K except Bernard. 
that's going to be a number one back. And then you throw in the fact that he's in a great matchup and he uh, catches passes too. I think he's definitely one of the better plays on this slate at running back. All right. So we're all in agreement that if Gio, I think even if Gio came in around like 10 or so, that he'd probably still be under. I'm willing to take shots on someone that might not be the greatest running back, but is going up in arguably the greatest matchup that he's going to face all season in a game where they're only field goal dogs against another team that doesn't have their starting quarterback, but they do have Alex and you tweeted this earlier in the day, <laughs> a uh, revenge game for none other than Andy Dalton. Are you riding this narrative to a million dollars on Sunday? <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm tempted. I mean, like Andy Dalton, uh, definitely someone that that's very angry and uh, will do his best against his <laughs> former team. So, uh, I mean, it, to be honest, he's he's really sucked at Do- in Dallas. Like the depth of target is like minimal. He's averaged less than six yards per attempt. He's throwing interceptions. So all the factors are telling me no. But my heart, because of the, my love of revenge, says yes. All right, Travis. Uh, I think I mentioned it earlier in the show, but like, with Cooper and Lamb and Gallup, it's hard to figure out which one of these guys is going to be prioritized each week. And maybe the argument just is that none of them are. And Andy Dalton's not going to play favorites. He just might not play good football either, but it is the Cincinnati Bengals. So we talked about Geo. What about on the other side of this game with, a bunch of talented pass catchers and a quarterback who is doing his best to fill in for Dak Prescott, but not exactly shining. You know, I was hoping to come on the show and learn a couple things as I was on it. And I didn't know that Andy Dalton was angry. That's the kind of insider <laughs> I came for. I, just, I, I, I will have 1% of Andy Dalton at least just for that right there. That's great. Andy, uh, uh, angry Andy is what they call him. <laughs> you know that again, I didn't know that either. So this is great. Yeah, yeah. This is great. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Maybe a naked Andy Dalton. Maybe it's his week. But um, I don't have much of the pass catches. I'm actually more of a Zeke guy. I've had Zeke for a handful of weeks now. And you look at his box scores, game logs, it's bad. It's bad. It's He's had one week in the last, like, maybe two months that's been reasonable winning tournament. He had the 22 and a half against Minnesota. Other than that, it's been really bad. Cincinnati, though, is not a good team. And, you know, I guess they're, they're not the worst. Eh, they're pretty bad defense, I feel like. So I feel like this might be Zeke uh, Bernard week. The, the the running backs have been horrible and making their bounce back. You know what kind of captured Zeke's season in a nutshell was uh, Tuesday night where he had three straight attempts at the one-yard line and got stuffed on all three of them consecutively. Man, that was tough to watch. It, it ruined my night. <laughs> yeah, I think it hurt a lot of us because then um, – they scored, right? Didn't it go to Amari? I think it went to Cooper for a I, touchdown. Yeah, I think uh, that, you know, now you remind me. I think I was actually winning my first showdown slate <laughs> until that happened. I was so excited about it. I was going to profit. And then, and then all of a sudden Amari comes out of nowhere, and then they did a bunch of stuff later in the game anyway, so it didn't matter. But uh, yeah, it, it sucks that Zeke, who looks a little overweight, can't just plunge right in. I feel like that should be his uh, strength now. You would sure think so. And, Alex, we know – I'm, I'm – I'm willing to make some excuses. Their offensive line has been banged up uh, for sure. And then then they recently lost Zach Martin as well, which really hurts. But uh, does Zeke stand out to you as a a viable option this week? We talked, you know, you, Travis, myself about, hey, Geo in a good matchup in a game that only has a three-point spread. But on the other side, Elliott hasn't been very good at all, but he's – you could apply that same logic to him, say, okay, maybe the Bengals' run defense isn't as bad as Dallas – but it doesn't feel like anyone's going to take a huge lead in this game. And maybe they just keep feeding him the football in what should be close enough uh, contest. Yeah. I mean, Dallas and Cincinnati both have the, uh, the backup quarterbacks in. So this one, it's two really bad teams going up against each other. And that really creates a a game where like both teams are going to be way better than than average because they have the good matchups with uh and the fact that they can't sustain drives is kind of neutralized because they're going up against a team with that similar uh tendencies so i think that uh geo bernard uh, and zeke really do stand out as uh plays that that are going to be significantly better this week than your average week just because 
their chance of winning games is a lot higher for both teams than average. Remember, you guys can check out all of our shows in podcast form. Any platform that has podcasts, you can find us on there. Awesome. A-W-E-S-E-M-O. Remember to check out our free content if you're not a paid sub. Today on the schedule, we've got the NFL rankings for free and the MMA rankings also free. Uh, I'm assuming Jason Floyd and Pete Rogers also going to go live for Live Before Lock tonight as well at YouTube right here on the Awesome O channel. So stick around for that. And subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so yet. Get us up to that 50K mark. Make our Christmas. Alex, we're not making 50K by Christmas or by the end of the year. It's uh, It was a failed attempt, but we're going to get there soon enough. Yeah, well, uh, we appreciate all you guys watching. I mean, supporting the community has been amazing. 50K is just a number anyway, man. Uh, we don't care about that. Yeah, but I'm, <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I try. Uh, it's, it's a pride thing. I don't know, Travis. The, the Falcons and Chargers, though, in another game, 49.5 point total, Falcons one-point road favorites. This season is so strange. The level of parity in the NFL is so wild. Like the Patriots come out 45-0 victory over the Chargers despite score, uh, having less than 300 yards, total yards, and then they come into a primetime matchup and get smoked against the L.A. Rams. Newton gets benched. What an ugly, hard-to-watch performance that was from the Patriots. But Justin Herbert, despite how bad this team has played and how many games they've lost by one possession all season long and how bad Anthony Lynn is, I'll stop there. Herbert and Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler are still some of like the three, three of the preeminent options in the league and have been all season long when healthy. Yeah, it's been a tough couple of weeks for the Chargers. I mean, seeing that they lost 45-0 and then what happened to the Patriots the very next game. Yeah. And that's not very Chargers-like either. You know, their, their team usually stays in the game and then Anthony Lynn blows it somehow and they lose by three at the end. Every week. Yep, you're absolutely and, right. And and I thought I could never be more disappointed in the Chargers. And then they found a, a new way to lose 45 nothing. How does it even happen? <laughs> Against the Patriots. Not, the Patriots aren't that good. No. But fantasy wise, you see, you're getting me excited now in not a good way. Um, Pages wise, or Chargers wise, yeah, Eckler, Allen, Herbert, all very good. Allen, since Eckler got back, hasn't been as good. But I feel like that that true right there, you, you could stack all three of those guys, I think, get a good game in all three. I think there's enough offense for the three of those guys. And then you could also have like a, a Hunter Henry, I think, is very, very good as well. We haven't seen that big game out of him yet. I think his, his, his ceiling is. is what, 14.8, which is incredible. Uh, I feel like he has that eruption game coming eventually. I think there's a lot of ways to go with the Chargers, especially against Atlanta, who is just – they're not a good team. What do you think, Alex? I really like uh, the Chargers because, like, for the first part of the season, they were really run-heavy. Over the last three weeks, they've averaged only 26% rushing attempts in neutral game script situations. You can find that in the advanced stats page on Osmo. Uh, so three weeks is a pretty good sample that they're just going to be throwing the ball more than they have been. And I, I like that because uh, the efficiency has been decent and you got talented receivers. So I'm in on it. Okay. Um, who are your favorite options from both sides of this one? Let's say you're stacking because I think we'd all agree. This is one of those games that could very easily pop off and, you know, you end up seeing two pretty bad teams scoring a lot of points and not being able to stop each other. Uh, Atlanta right now, what's their, what do we have the projected ownership out for, for a stack? Uh, 6% and the chargers are at like 8.8%. So it's, this game isn't going to go unnoticed, but what would your preferred ways be to attack it? Since Julio Jones is out this week, that makes Calvin Ridley stand out as an elite option. Uh, there is a narrative that Calvin Ridley is not as good with Julio out. So I'm hoping maybe that will drive down the ownership just a tad. Um, I really think that uh, when you take a guy like Julio out, the increased passing volume to other or receiving targets to, to other guys accounts for more than any efficiency differences. Uh, Russell Gage also is very reasonably priced. He's going to see the field uh, almost every drop back with Julio out. So I think that both of those guys are really solid. So because of that injury to Julio, the edge for me goes to Atlanta. Okay. Travis, same question to you. If you're attacking this game, uh, what's your favorite way to stack it? 
I think it's going to be a pretty solidly owned game, right? You lose Julio in, in high scoring to not very good teams. I think that we need to differentiate somehow. I, I'm actually not as big of a Russell Gage fan. He had uh, he didn't do very well last time Julio was out. I'm more of a Hayden Hurst guy. I'm going a little more contrarian. Um, last time Julio was out, I think it was with Vegas what, uh, two, three weeks ago. He had eight, eight targets, over 20% target share. He's under 4K, the tight end. I think there's a lot to like there. He hasn't had a very good game, kind of like Henry, but I feel like he's that contrarian piece you need in the stack. Another game, too. We got about five minutes to go here, uh, Travis. That's getting a well that has the highest total right now is going to be Green Bay at Detroit. And well, they got rid of they they cleaned house to some extent, right? In in, in Detroit. Uh, getting rid of Matt Patricia, and I, I always forget the name of the, the GM that they got rid of, but they bring in Daryl Bevel, and they come in and, and they, they grab a come-from-behind victory against Chicago, and you actually saw a somewhat competent-looking football game, if only for a week, maybe. I don't know. But uh, now this week, Devontae Adams' ownership at 9,300 on DraftKings is the highest we have projected among anybody. But Aaron Jones is also in our top six or seven right now. So it's... Again, you've got Adams up there. You also have Aaron Jones up there, which means that we're going to have to make some decisions on how to approach the Green Bay Packers this week with a wide receiver and running back getting a ton of love. It's crazy, right? I mean, Devonta Adams, 9,300 near – he might be peak price, actually. He's close to peak price, but he's not. He's the highest-owned guy, and, and he's proven he should be. It's, it's incredible how productive he's been. And, you know, I've been one of the guys who feels like this is not sustainable, but, you know, it's kind of like Derrick Henry last year. The end season just keeps going off over and over and over. I'm probably going to be under on that and and under on the Green Bay Packers in general. I just feel like – I feel like they've had so many good games in a row. I just feel like they're due for for a letdown eventually. I know they have a 31-point total, but these salaries are getting really big. I feel like they're just players at similar salaries that are are better, better value plays. Yeah, Alex, you're paying a premium for these guys, no question. I'd even make the argument that Aaron Jones is is at a premium as well because while he had that big run for 77 yards late in the game against Philly, uh, he had been bottled up prior to that. Now, look, you can't take one play out and say, all right, well, look, he wasn't actually good. I understand that. But it's been a a, a relatively rough one and a half months for him, and um, he is expensive. So what do you do to – to, what do you do with the ownership and the price points on these guys? Well, I think uh, the matchup versus Detroit is a very good one. So definitely uh, Adams and Aaron Jones are, are solid plays. I, I think Aaron Jones coming off of a big game where he won people the millionaire, uh, if I call, call it correctly. So it's hard to keep track of the weeks. Yeah, that was last week. So um, that will drive his ownership up. But we, my general feeling about Aaron Jones is he's one of the most inconsistent players in the league because uh, he's on a really good offense, but the, the playing time is split with Jamal Williams, and that's very difficult to predict. So I'd just rather go at that kind of price tag of 7,600 on DraftKings to a guy that has a little bit more steady role. Um, that's just my personal preference. Okay. Um, what about the Detroit side? Again, they're 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 pretty significant dogs here as they should be, uh, nine point dogs at home as a matter of fact. But the pay uh, the Packers have also done a good job of slowing down opposing passing teams, uh, passing attacks, but have struggled on the ground when teams are willing to actually run against them. Of course, they can't be behind by two scores early on. So uh, before we get to our top fades and pivots, I'll ask each of you guys to close out our games. What about the Detroit Lions? Uh, Alex, and then you, Travis. I like that last week, um, the first week of uh, the new GM or the replacement, you know, to uh, Patricia. Sorry, the, he was the coach. But anyway, you get my idea. They threw a lot more. Uh, only 39% of their plays in neutral game script were uh, rushing plays when their season average has been 47%. So that really makes me feel like even though it's one game that maybe we see more passing attempts out of Stafford going forward. And uh, Grubo's defense isn't that good. Uh, So I feel like maybe TJ Hawkinson stands out a little bit as the best play on the lines uh, because with their uh, 
They they made the statement that they were releasing Marvin Hall because he was too old and to give guys like Quintus Cephas and Jamal Agnew more playing time. So they actually have five wide receivers that are playing significant snaps. Only Marvin Jones is really playing a large volume of snaps. So it's hard to get to any of the guys except TJ Hawkinson, uh, in my opinion. And Travis, it sucks that right when DeAndre Swift looked like he was wrestling away the running back, the lead role from Adrian Peterson, he catches a concussion and then he's out for several weeks and Peterson starts racking up the points. Yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure what his – I think it said he had a full practice yesterday. Yeah, so but I, still questionable, which is right. – I'm assuming he plays, but his status yeah. has been weird for the past couple of weeks. Yeah, so his status changes a lot, obviously. If he's yeah. playing, I think they would be more comfortable running the ball. But like Alex said, that you know, new coach, new system, and that's very important to note. I'm not a huge fan of him this spot. I think they're – without Gall, I think they're pretty fairly priced overall, and Green Bay is, is a tough team to play against. Um, I think if you were to have a lot of Green Bay or, or be big on Green Bay, I think a lot it makes a lot of sense to have a decent amount of Detroit too. But seeing right now I'm not big on Green Bay, I also don't have much Detroit. All right. Travis Petty, we'd love to have you on the show, man. Follow him on Twitter at Petty Theft, but it's an E-Y, P-E-T-T-E-Y. I'll trust that you can spell theft on your own. Uh, follow Alex at Awesome O-D-F-S, myself, Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D, and awesome.com at awesome underscore common. Remember, use that promo code Caruso to get all of your free NBA content. Well, it is basically free, but it's a dollar all the way up through the 29th. Full first week of the regular season, all of the projections, everything we have included, and the preseason stuff. Let's wrap it up. Week 14, as we always do, our top pivot of the, our fate of the week and top pivot of the week. And I'll just say this before we dump, jump into it. I think, as Alex and Travis pointed out at the beginning of the show, it's probably less important this week than it would be on a smaller slate, just given that ownership isn't going to be crazy high on any uh, several players. Alex, lead us off. Who's your favorite fade or top fade of the week? My top fade of the week uh, is Aaron Jones. I'm not Jones in for some Jones. I think that uh, he only sees about, you know, like two thirds, if that work out of the green Bay uh, running back group. So I just feel like that's going to be too unpredictable uh, to justify that kind of price tag. Uh, and I really like the other options at the high end for running back. I mean, Derrick Henry versus Jacksonville, that's a smash spot. My favorite pivot, though, is Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is projected for less than 5% ownership because people just don't like paying up for running backs as an underdog. But his workload is insane, given that Minnesota runs the ball so much. And um, he's the guy that's out there, like, getting 30 carries a game sometimes. With Madison out, that workload is going to be insane. It's a matter of if they can uh, make it work versus Tampa Bay's strong rushing defense. So I understand the lower ownership. I think there's a ton of potential for Cook to smash. Good stuff. Travis, top uh, fade and top pivot of the week. No, currently top fade, I'd say David Montgomery. He's the number one running back in the awesome ownership. He's been really good lately, and, and people forget the rest of the season, though, he wasn't very good. I saw Cordell Patterson get a goal line rush, and that that's a big, big red flag for me for an expensive running back if, if someone else is getting a goal line rush, and there's no reason that he should have got it there. And, and I think Cordell actually had like 10 carries last game or, or two games ago. So that's a big red flag for me. I think people are going to try to play the momentum. They're going to keep playing him. He's been good for two weeks, and I'm hoping this is the spot he, he lets down. As for a pivot, I'm going to go pivot off of Montgomery with two guys. If you got 100 extra bucks, go Zeke Elliott. I think he, he's, he's a much better play here. Uh, he, he's slightly less ownership, and but if you want to go 100 bucks less, you go Mike Davis, who also is leveraged on Curtis Samuel as well. I, I think Mike Davis, and, and this is a much better script that he's been having. He was very good early in the season. I think we can see it again here, and he's coming at, at uh, half the ownership of Montgomery. Love it. I'll, I'll close it out with uh, – I was going to go Gio Bernard, but I think we all talked about him enough. If he's that low on, then uh, I'm I'm 100% on board. But Curtis Samuel pulling a ton of ownership right now. Uh, I understand that this team is going to be limited when it comes to passing options, but I think there's other ways for them to find ways or to win this game. And with such a low total, it wouldn't be surprising if it's just not a lot of scoring – Give me someone Travis talked about earlier in the show as a pivot, Antonio Brown. 
it's tough to figure out who's going to be the guy in Tampa Bay, but with a game that has a, t- a total of more than 10 points higher than that Carolina game, Antonio Brown, while off the field has had his issues, is still one of the more talented wide receivers in football and has seen a double-digit target game since coming to Tampa Bay. I think you could end up getting virtually no ownership and a potentially huge game against a banged-up and inferior Minnesota secondary. So that'll do it for us, guys. Thanks for watching. As always, hit that thumbs up and subscribe before you go. And remember, stick around because tomorrow, right here on the channel, we've got the marathon, four hours of content leading you all the way up to lock, and all of it's free. So we hope to see you there. Good luck this weekend, and we'll catch you back here next week for week 15's On the Contrary.